This morning's sermon text continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, We'll be picking up in verse 18 and we'll finish the chapter. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Great and mighty God, we pray that you would move us, take us from our place of comfort, of understanding, of knowledge, and break us down, O God, into people that you would have us be. Cause us to be uncomfortable, not knowing, and perhaps even confused so that we might be foolish over the word that you have given to us through Jesus Christ. All this we pray in Christ's name and all God's people say, amen. So remember a few weeks ago, and even last week, I uh, spent some time describing the political and economical situation in which the church in Corinth was being raised up. That church was surrounded by all kinds of people, They approached life differently, and when confronted with Jesus Christ and the message of the cross, they just didn't understand. They couldn't comprehend. The message of the cross made no sense to them. It was inconceivable that Jesus Christ descended from heaven, was born a human, was crucified on the cross, buried and resurrected, and offered to each of us in that process was forgiveness, redemption, eternal salvation. 
At the heart of Paul's concern in our scripture lesson are two different groups of people that were managing to threaten the sustainability of this new church. And those two groups were the Jews, the other Jews in the area, and then, of course, the Greeks. For the Jews, the Messiah would never, never, ever, ever end up on the cross. Death on the cross was something reserved for those who deserved to suffer, for the criminals. The Jews would have had in their minds an old, old, old lesson that they grew up with back in Deuteronomy. Did I say that right? I say that word and I just get lost in it. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 21, verse 23 which says that anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. The cross to the Jews was an insurmountable barrier to a belief in Jesus because the Messiah they had perceived of would die a much nobler death than a cross. In addition to that, the Jews were looking for signs Paul identifies this in verse 22, where it says, For Jews demand signs. They were literally waiting for the Messiah to show up and offer signs of his presence in their midst. They wanted to see waters part and to see walls crumble on command. Those were the kinds of signs that they wanted and expected to see from the Messiah. And Jesus didn't do any of that. What they saw in Jesus was a lowly, humble servant who at times didn't even want others to know that he had healed the sick, the blind, and the demon-possessed. The Jews couldn't comprehend a Messiah to be a carpenter and a servant. It was unthinkable that the Messiah would suffer a criminal's death. It was foolish to think that Jesus of Nazareth would be the Messiah because he was a contradiction to any kind of Messiah image they had already perceived in their minds. The Jews had arrived at their picture of the Messiah through all of those years of wandering and of servitude, of not having a homeland or a mighty and powerful warrior king to do their defending and their fighting. This was not the case for the Greeks. The Greeks had an entirely different couple of reasons for stumbling over the message of the cross. The first reason comes from Scripture, again, verse 22, and it picks up from what I said about the Jews demanding signs. The Greeks desire wisdom. And it was this desire for wisdom that prevented them from hearing the message of the cross. For the Greeks, a wise man, a wise man was someone who could engage in hours and hours of nitpicking and hair-splitting discussion over any given topic. They were considered to be clever 
not necessarily maybe smart or maybe not even wise, but clever. And really what that means for us is that they were wise guys in our context. The Greeks devoted their time to mental acrobats and speaking with, speaking with such eloquence and cunning. They wanted to follow people who had the ability to use their clever mind and silver tongue to twist the worst kind of situation into something that sounds absolutely desirable. Persuasive rhetoric not only won the argument, but also the hearts of fellow Greeks. And if they were good enough, they could literally talk themselves into higher and higher situations in life, in society. Today's politicians from all political camps come to my mind, and unfortunately, the Greeks were so caught up in fancy words and convoluted ideas that they couldn't understand. They couldn't comprehend the simple and blunt message that was Jesus Christ. To them, it was foolish to think that Jesus Christ's message was of sacrificial love and redemption and eternal salvation. The second reason the Greeks thought the message of the cross was foolish was more philosophical. For the Greeks, a God, a God should operate independent of creation. A God should be all-powerful and able to dictate what will happen. In order to do that effectively, a God had to be without emotions. If a God was who they claimed to be, then they should be above and beyond the emotions that we feel here on earth. For the Greeks, a God should never be happy or sad or angry, or frustrated. And here's where the Greeks fell short for Paul. They loved wisdom and logic. Greek logic deduced that if a God could feel and have emotions, then humans could influence them. Humans could have sway over a God. And, well, that is in contradiction to anything for the Greeks as they relate it to a God. It was inconceivable. It absolutely made no sense at all to the Greeks that Yahweh, our God, the God, could have compassion and mercy and forgiveness, and grace, and love. For the Jews to be able to understand the message of the cross, they would have to set aside their own notions of what a death on the cross would mean and reinterpret the meaning of signs. What would be an, an acceptable sign of the Messiah? Might or humility? Strength and power 
or strength in weakness. Life after death or death after life. The Jews would have to become foolish. The Greeks would have to set aside their desire for wisdom and silence their busy tongues. An emotionless, objective God or a God that desires and loves creation. A Messiah that minces words and twists ideas or a Messiah that speaks plainly and truthfully. The Greeks, too, would have to become foolish. To the Jews and the Greeks, the Christian message was sheer folly. And that was what Paul was encouraging. And it's an important lesson for us. Verse 28 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Our intellect, while a gift from God, does not and cannot make sense of the things that God has already done or is asking us to do. Our text today says that God's foolishness is better than our wisdom. Our minds can only go so far. Things that make sense can only get us so far. Our understanding of the world can only get us so far. Our comprehension of emotions will only get us so far. And when we have gotten to the end of what makes sense to us, we have to set aside our rationale and our reason and our senses and our expectations. We have to set all of those things aside. We have to set our reasonable offers of love aside and love foolishly. We have to set our logical boundaries of forgiveness aside and forgive foolishly. We have to set our practical amount of sacrifice aside and sacrifice foolishly. And you know what? Sometimes I don't want to do that because it can be painful and it hurts and it can come back around and bite me where I don't want to be bit. I know that I'm not the only one that has balanced love with the risk of heartache or balanced forgiveness with brokenness or sacrifice with wants. But that's exactly what God did with us. Throughout the Old Testament, God loved, God forgave, God sacrificed, God desired foolishly, 
Over and over, God's chosen people turned their backs on God, and still God wanted them to be God's people. Even today, when we read these things, we wonder why God was so persistent. Why didn't God just give up on them and find some new God's chosen people? That is the message of the cross. God loves us and has loved us and will love us foolishly. I wonder if we can manage to keep from stumbling like the Jews and the Greeks. I wonder. I wonder if we can just opt to be foolish in all that the cross offers and demands of us, and then wait and see how God blesses us because of it. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we pray that we might be challenged by your words. Certainly, The example of love that you've given to us has challenged us because sometimes, God, we just don't want to be that way. Empower us, O God, to be foolish in your words, to be foolish in the love that you have given to us and foolish in the love that we extend to those around us. Certainly, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his message of the cross. And it's in his name that we pray all of this. And all God's people said, amen.